0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun.
2: Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. BGW group. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, listeners of Missing Maura Murray. We have a new podcast to announce. It's about the Gardner Museum art heist of 1990 in Boston. And it's called Empty Frames. It's a co-production between us and Audio Boom. So check it out and follow us on Twitter and make sure to subscribe. Hope you like it. March 18, 1990, the most audacious art heist of all time took place at the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum in Boston. Two men dressed as police officers were admitted into the building by security, claiming to be responding to a disturbance call.
0: In 81 minutes, 13 pieces of art were stolen. Among the portraits, stripped from their frames, were works by Vermeer, Degas, and Rembrandt. Estimated at half a billion dollars, The heist has been categorized as the largest and most frustrating of all time. Theories of their whereabouts and those who perpetrated the crime are abundant.
1: In this podcast series, we will dig as deep as possible into the case, the theories, and the social and economic impact the greatest unsolved art heist of all time had on the community. This is Empty Frames, a heist story. Okay, welcome here, Lance, our first uh, episode of Empty Frames. For this episode, we are going to go through a little bit of the timeline of this incredible theft. and And I don't say incredible, trying to be complimentary.
0: Well, we say that because when you do a search on most expensive art heists, the Isabella Stewart Gardner heist is typically number one.
1: And right at the top here, I just want to mention that if you have any information about the stolen artworks or the investigation, please contact Anthony Amore, Director of Security for the Gardner Museum at theft at Now,
0: we were contacted by our mysterious Mr. K, and through his resources, we are able to dive into this incredibly complex and elaborate case. And uh, we will soon introduce everyone to Mr. K, uh, the man who approached us with the request to cover the heist. Before that, I want to say that one of the first things which stood out to me uh, was how amateur the crime itself appeared to be, uh, with the haphazard way in which the art was You know, cut from the frames, uh, the way the more valuable pieces were overlooked. And, you know, almost three decades later, not a single one of the 13 has been found. Uh, So are we dealing with professionals trying to
1: make it look amateur? You're not being arrested. This is a robbery. Don't give us any problems and you won't get hurt, was said to the guards by one of the robbers. Of course, they were dressed in police uniforms both of the robbers dressed in police uniforms. The thieves handcuffed the guards, then wrapped duct tape around their hands, feet, and heads, leaving nose holes for breathing. They were then led to the museum's basement, where one guard was secured to a lead pipe under a maintenance sink, and the other was secured to a pipe under what appears to be an electrical panel next to the boiler room.
0: And they stayed there until police arrived hours later at around 8.15 that morning. Now, the next day, on the 19th of March, the Boston Globe reports the value to be at about $200 million, which we know has gone up substantially since then. Uh, The theories, um, we can categorize them into some people think that all of the uh, the pieces of artwork exist. Some people think that they've been sold. Uh, Some people don't believe that the artwork could have survived and it's been destroyed somehow.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're out there not in the frames that are on the wall in the Gardner Museum, so they're not where they live. They're not home. And home is the Venetian-style
0: palace located in the Fens neighborhood of Boston. This is where Isabella Stewart Gardner chose to publicly display her personal collection, and the empty frames are still on the wall, and it's because of her will that stipulated no paintings are to be moved from where she left them. You can still see those empty frames once containing the stolen paintings hanging
1: there today. According to witnesses, some young adults were leaving a neighborhood St. Patrick's Day party. They noticed a hatchback vehicle parked on the road, and two men dressed in police uniforms were inside it. So, like you were saying, Lance, there's contradictions all over the place. First, you see these guys dressed as police officers robbing this place. You'd say, oh, well, that's somewhat professional. They got these police uniforms. That's extremely illegal if you're not a policeman to have those uniforms. To
0: impersonate a police officer. Exactly. So then you say, well, this is planned.
1: Right. But then, well, why the hell are they driving a hatchback, a Dodge Daytona hatchback? Why wouldn't they have rented a van or driven a pickup truck or borrowed a friend's SUV? Instead, they're driving a hatchback. They couldn't even fit the paintings in the car if they weren't cut out of the frames.
0: Right. This wasn't a getaway vehicle that was designed to, uh, to to carry a massive amount of stuff. Everything pre and during the theft itself suggests of amateurism. But everything after, the fact that no one said anything and no one's been caught, I mean, people have said plenty, but no one's been caught based on the the words of of some individuals and suspects,
1: and it's been twenty seven years, and the mystery it hasn't been solved, and and the pieces of artwork have not been recovered. So someone did something right,
0: and it's become it's become a legend in the area as well. These guys had eighty. We keep saying they they had eighty one minutes to go through this entire uh, museum.
1: Well, and they really had as long as they wanted, they but they only long, yeah. took eighty one minutes,
0: right? And you look at the uh, you look at the the alarm report. These guards are tied up, and the alarm report comes through, and it's uh, one fifty-four in the morning, Dutch room. Uh, someone in the Dutch room, investigate immediately. Someone in the Dutch room, investigate immediately. A minute later, a minute later, a minute later, these alarms are going off, and no one's hearing them. They're, they're, these aren't alarms that are going to, uh,
1: to the police. They're local alarms. These guys knew no one was coming. Stolen from the Gardner Museum art heist, the Rembrandt storm on the Sea of Galilee, which is his only seascape, and one of my favorite pieces, uh, looking at uh, the artwork that has been stolen.
0: It's really a favor you can do for yourself to go and check out all of these pieces of artwork, because I didn't realize how much I enjoyed Degas. Vermeer's The Concert is, at this time, the most expensive stolen piece of art in history.
1: The Concert by Vermeer is really a great painting as well, very awkward kind of odd you you see a man is uh sitting and facing away from the painter completely which is not a typical thing in in art at all and the other two the, the women who are in it are also not facing the painting at all or the artist at all they're in in their scene. So it's this voyeuristic view of this moment.
0: When I was looking into the artwork, I didn't realize how much I would have enjoyed something like the piece, uh, "Procession on a Road Near Florence by Degas. You have to work for it when you look at this, his artwork. Nothing, there's no sharp details. There's no sharp edges. It's again, another like voyeuristic sort of take on something that's happening right in front of you. It's an everyday occurrence and it's from it's from the back. It's almost up on a hill, and you got to work to see this lady. I believe it's a lady holding an umbrella. It's just probably, I mean, just revolutionary in in their time.
1: The artwork is exquisite, and there's a manet too with a, a man writing something. He's got a top hat. And he's got a drink, and he's kind of looking at the artist. And it's really also. Just an amazing painting. You can just stare at and think about what was the artist thinking and what is going on in this scene for hours. It's called the Che Tortoni.
0: I know that people who listen to Crawl Space, especially the uh, cellar series ones or the vault, where we just kind of kind of go back and forth and you know riff a little bit, might sound a little strange that we're we're talking on a <laughs> on a level of like this artwork, but we do have taste. You know, we do have appreciation for for good quality artwork out there. And once you look at this, you'll see what we're
1: talking about. Well, before you can care about the story, you have to care about the artwork, I feel like.
0: you got to care about, yes, exactly, with everything that you do, before you, every subject you do. Yeah, so you, you look at this and you realize this is such a loss.
1: Right. And one of the things we, we've talked about and that has come up constantly since we've started research is, is did whitey bulger have his hands in this of course notable boston mobster whitey bulger uh, who was arrested in 2011 and is now in the clink um, but he was a mobster yeah, the, the head of the irish mob in boston the essentially winter hill gang the winter hill gang which was a place i frequented winter hills in somerville i grew up in medford mere Probably two or three miles from where I grew up.
0: It's really kind of uh, irrational to think that something like this could happen in nineteen ninety, where Whitey Bulger was, you know, right up there. It was, uh, it was probably the pinnacle of his power. Those, I mean, seventies, eighties, nineties. He, he, pretty much was the the kingpin, right? If this didn't have anything to do with him, it would be really amazing that he didn't find out who did this because this is this is on his turf this is in his backyard
1: that's kind of our working theory i think right. about about whitey bulger's involvement is that the crime itself may have been too amateur to have whitey bulger actually put forth the efforts to have this crime Uh, take place but if this crime would take place in his neighborhood yes he would absolutely throw his weight around and demand to find out who did it and in those small neighborhoods especially back then south boston uh winter hill you know people are talking he asks questions he's gonna find out and then he's gonna want to wet his beak and that's just the way it worked
0: you only have to look at the boston globe articles from the 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 days and weeks after the theft took place. They're already putting it at over a hundred million. They're putting it at two hundred million. The the days and weeks after.
1: So, if Whitey had nothing to do with it,
0: he's not going to look at that number and say, "I want. I, I'm I'm fine not having a piece of that.
1: I'm fine with with these guys uh, taking my job." Essentially, that's the way he would look at if it. If there's
0: going to be a heist in Boston, that's going to be over a hundred million dollars right off the bat before any proper assessment was done it's probably going to have some sort of Whitey Bulger attachment to it. If it doesn't, it will shortly thereafter.
1: Lance, we want to welcome a new sponsor called Serial Box and Adaptive Studios. National Public Radio calls Serial Box the HBO of reading. Have you dug into this yet?
0: Just started digging into it. It's very exciting. It's really cool. Adaptive Studios is an entertainment studio that reimagines how film, television, and digital products are developed, produced, and distributed.
1: Serial Box brings you gripping stories written by best-selling and award-winning teams of writers, similar to a TV show's writers' room. There's new episodes released every week. You can read or listen. To all cereals at no extra cost, which is really cool.
0: Let's say I'm I leave work and I'm listening to it, and then I want to uh, you know at night I want to read it, so I just make a seamless transition between where I left
1: off, and it's just with one click you can make that change.
0: Exactly, with the Cereal Box app, it allows you to switch seamlessly. And
1: Tim, have you heard of False
0: Idols? You were telling me about it. Yeah, the new cereal from Cereal Box. Uh, in it, uh, we're, we're talking about an FBI linguist, Layla L. Deeb, deep undercover, posing as a heiress in the Middle East. And she must infiltrate the highest echelons of society in order to trace priceless relics from their millionaire owners back to illegal digs and the terrorist groups profiting from their sale. Now, you might be curious how they get uh, this FBI insight. The story advisor for this series was Robert Whitman, the man credited with inventing the FBI's art crime unit. It. That sounds like it's right up our alley.
1: I think we're gonna be needing to place a call into Mr. Robert Whitman.
0: Now, False Idols will also be released as a print book in early April. Pre orders available now wherever
1: books are sold. Empty Frames listeners can get the series now with a twenty percent discount on the first season of False Idols Today. Head to serialbox.com slash empty frames. That's S E R I A L box.com slash emptyframes or go to the redeem page and use code frames18.
0: Serialbox.com slash emptyframes. An obvious question that most people have when they first look into the case and they read the Wikipedia or if you go to the website, you see the, uh, the the paragraph or two that they have. We have two security guards. One of them, Richard Abbott, was the one who stands out the most. He had long curly hair. He was in a band. This was his night job. He would, he would work there at night. He'd probably catch some uh, sleep during the day. He would gig out with his band. He was tied up. He was duct taped. He was duct tape all around his head. It was reported that um, he was told if he kept his mouth shut, he would get a little bit of money if he just waited. Like, you would get money in a year. In a so year. You would get a gift. Right.
1: And that gift never came.
0: There's also a video that you can find on YouTube of uh somebody who's coming into the museum. There's there's words exchange. It's a really choppy video. It's hard to tell what's going on. But that has led to the question that people have, like this this could have been an inside job.
1: But that was the night before the actual robbery.
0: Yes. There was a video from the night before of uh and and it's speculated that this is somebody sort of doing a dry run of pulling up approaching maybe talking to one of the security guards about this is how it's going to go down tomorrow night
1: That's a little too speculative if you ask me there are cameras there this person if he was the thief or a master planner of this i can't imagine they would have had that conversation right there i understand the need to do a dry run but there's cameras unless they they planned on getting rid of the security tape exactly but also not that odd for abbott to have guests into the museum he had before abbott actually brought some friends in for a new year's eve party as well so let his friends in and they kind of just hang out not steal anything not mess around always cleaned up but still it was you know very much against the rules
0: and how how fun would that have been right because this is this is essentially a house it's like a really fancy house so yeah he probably had his bandmates in there he had his buddies in there and they Had a couple of beers. And like you said, they always cleaned up and they were always respectful of it.
1: Smoke a little pot, maybe. See, I I I don't want to
0: speculate. I don't want to speculate on any drug use that might have happened. I mean, I know he had long hair.
1: Not even illegal these days in Massachusetts to have a joint. uh... 1990. (laughs) Well, is the uh, statute of limitations closed on that? But uh, the person that met with Abbott the night before the robbery could have easily been someone who, like a friend, who was dropping off some. uh, some herbs. It, it might not have been a uh, a person, a mafioso relation who's looking at a doing a dry run here. It could have been something very simple like Abbott buying a dime bag and the seller moving on. Yeah, and, and, and it being kind of an embarrassing thing for Abath to talk about, or maybe that's why it hasn't really come out publicly because it's, it technically was illegal to do.
0: What you're referring to is... The security video from the night before the heist, that this was a uh, relatively new development in the case. It was released in August of 2015, the security video, which shows uh, the outside angle. It shows an automobile pull up to the Palace Road entrance of the museum. And this car matches the general description of a hatchback type vehicle that was spotted the night of the heist almost 24 hours later now this is the same type of car same entrance and the inside angle shows the unidentified man who had exited the car he's allowed access into the building Uh, again against uh, museum policy Uh, he's allowed into the building by the security guard and this happens like i said almost exactly 24 hours before the heist that is an interesting point that this person who came in the night before was there for something uh, completely innocent um, not related to the uh, to the crime at all. However, in in 2015, an attorney by the name of George Burke received a call from somebody who recognized that person as a friend of one of the central characters in the theft, Miles Connor. And Miles Connor collaborated with Jenny Seiler on a book called "The Art of the Heist." Miles Connor was a notorious thief, career criminal in the area and this uh this attorney, George Burke, received a phone call from someone who said, "I know that person, and he 's a friend of this career criminal and We can provide a link to this video and to all of the uh, other reference materials that uh, that that we touch upon in this episode and every episode in the show notes. A very curious fact about this is in the blue room now the blue room is where the Monet was stolen." The motion detectors detected footsteps at 12.27 a.m. and at 12.53 a.m. The 12.53 one was at least 10 to 15 minutes before we know the two thieves entered the museum in the first place.
1: Only Abbott's steps as he made his rounds before the thieves arrived were picked up in that room. The censors also revealed that Abbott briefly opened the side door to the museum on Palace Road shortly before he buzzed the thieves in.
0: He had also given his two weeks notice to quit the job, which understandably cast suspicion. His explanation for opening and closing the door was that it was his way of double checking to make sure it was locked. So he says so he says so here here we have a bunch of empty frames hanging on the wall of one of the most distinguished museums on at least at least New England east coast you know probably one of the most distinguished museums in America
1: at Grand Canyon University we believe in equal opportunity and the American dream starts with Purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.
0: Tim, you know that there are so many meal delivery services, right? Oh, so many. Well, recently, we've been trying out HelloFresh, and one thing that really stood out to me was how organized the box was when you receive it. You have three meals in the box, and each one comes in its own prepackaged little bag. And they even gave us an apron as, as I'm assuming, a complimentary gift for our first order.
1: Yeah, it's been great, Lance. It offers a wide variety of chef-curated recipes that change every week. And you get three plans to choose from, classic, veggie, and family.
0: All the ingredients come in pre-measured, handy-labeled meal kits. So you
1: know which ingredients go with which recipe. No more time-consuming meal planning or grocery shopping. You don't even have to bother with that anymore. HelloFresh is here for you. And each week, there's a 20-minute meal on the classic menu for when you really don't have more time than that.
0: And you can feel confident when cooking HelloFresh with simple recipes outlined on pictured step-by-step instruction cards. And you can try things you've never thought to cook on your own and enjoy eating outside of your comfort
1: zone. Premium selection for a dinner time upgrade lobster ravioli and shrimp with tomatoes and tarragon cream sauce. Or you could stick with the classic variety of meat, fish, and seasoned produce. So for $30 off your first week of HelloFresh, visit HelloFresh.com and enter promo code frames 30 30 dollars off again that's promo code frames 30 when you visit hellofresh.com and now you're going to hear from the mysterious mr k why he contacted us and what this project is all about Mr. K, why did you contact us?
2: I listened to podcasts fairly infrequently, but uh, this past summer I was uh, introduced to the Maura Murray podcast. I believe that was July, and uh, it was something that I liked, I think, for the longer format discussion and analysis. I thought your uh, handling of the, the, the events was, uh, was great uh, in that you were you know, very insightful willing to look at all angles of this and not really pushing an individual narrative. So I I thought it was uh, unique for that and uh, that this type of uh, somewhat exhaustive analysis could be good for the Gardner project, which is uh, something that I was interested in. So uh, around September, I contacted you. I thought if there was something that uh, you were doing next, that this would be a great idea for you both.
0: Well, I do remember the email that we received from you and not to be intentionally um mysterious by calling you Mr. K. There are reasons that uh that you choose to be anonymous uh due to your um you know what you do in the real world and recording your, your voice and you know, uh so to to not be I, I know it does sound intentionally mysterious. I am saying
1: it to be intentionally it, mysterious. It, it... <laughs>
0: This isn't because you 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 fear any sort of implication or repercussion directly involving the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum heist. That's correct,
2: oh, right? Oh, absolutely not. Yeah, I. Uh... No, no involvement whatsoever, and in fact, uh, I wouldn't even consider myself an expert on the uh, subject.
0: Okay. All right. I just wanted to clear that up because I know we're going to have people saying, where was Mr. K sure. on March 18, 1990? Uh, the the email that we received from you is is something that was a bit unusual, but not so... We get a lot of unusual emails, um, and I think the, the last line or one of the last lines of your email was what really... Uh, made me say we should talk to this gentleman because you said I'm not I'm not a weirdo I promise or, or something to that effect right. and people who are weirdos typically don't Self-describe uh, yeah. himself, yeah. you know, typically don't say I'm not
2: what I really am. They're, they're the last to know, yes, right <laughs> yeah. If you can't find the weirdo
0: on the bus then... <laughs> right.
2: Yeah, I, I realized that it would be uh, sort sort of strange, but I, I thought this project was something that does have appeal. I think there are similarities to what you do with uh, maura Murray's disappearance. and uh, I thought it was appropriate. I mean, there's a lot to look at, so it's it's a very complex issue. I think there are enormous uh, cultural repercussions from this, um, and you both struck me as uh, people who were, uh, I guess I would say, civic-minded, uh, in that you were uh, handling a, a, a very difficult situation with Maura Murray's disappearance Uh with with a great deal of respect for all the parties involved, and I thought that uh, that that was what this this needed. The situation with the Gardner theft, it's remarkable to me on so many levels. But one bizarre point is that uh, this has been researched so well by so many people. So if we look at the the principles involved in this. Uh, it, just so much has been done, and uh, I, I think this is something where you, you two could could get involved and really supplement that in a meaningful way, but it wouldn't be something where you'd be starting from scratch, so I think essential to this is, is what you tend to do, which is uh, – to, to To you know very respectfully and collaboratively uh, engage uh, people uh, and and work productively with them uh, tor- toward some kind of better understanding
0: when you look at the value the estimated value of these thirteen pieces of artwork it ranges up to half a billion dollars and there's a reward currently that runs out that the museum has put up of 10 million dollars and if you take aside the emotions when you're working on a missing person case and put that in and and put the cultural implications and the monetary value in the in place of that that is just
1: as much stress the name whitey Balger strikes fear into the hearts of all bostonians and we know he's in jail but the reach is vast
0: Lance, are you hiring? I think the real question, Tim, is we
1: should be hiring. Do we know where to post our job, though, when we want to find the best candidates?
0: We have so much to do. Uh, I don't want these resumes to get lost in a huge stack just to find the perfect hire. I, I wish there was some place that I just need the
1: right tools. Yeah, well, it's not only time, Lance. It's the right talent. And I've heard of this service called ZipRecruiter that lets you post your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards with just one click.
0: You have always been the smart one between the two of us. I totally forgot, ZipRecruiter actively looks for the most qualified candidates and invites them to apply.
1: No wonder 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. So, Lance, obviously we're going to use ZipRecruiter when we need to hire. Exactly. It sounds like...
0: Unlike other hiring sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on the right candidates finding you.
1: It It finds finds them. them. Yes. So find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes and industries to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And Lance, right now, our listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. For what? For free. How do they do this? You just go to com slash empty.
0: That's com slash empty. One more time, to try it for free, go to com slash empty. Tim, ZipRecruiter, that's the smartest way to hire. You know it. This is going to be something that is interesting and fascinating, but why is it worth it? Why is it worth it?
2: Sure. Um, well, so... I guess to to start at the beginning. So this is the largest property theft in history, and uh, as as we've been discussing, it's obviously culturally important. So uh, among the 13 works that were taken were a Vermeer and uh, Rembrandt's only seascape. So uh, right there, you have a good portion of that value. Whether you say it's uh, a half a billion or more, um, is is associated with those two pieces alone, and then you know, why, why, why this? So I think this, like many things from 1990 is really fading from public awareness. And that, uh, when I think of, you know, kind of where we should be, uh, in terms of, uh, collective public awareness, I, I, I think, you know, it's not optimal to have that that state occur, just given, you know, if we step back and look at what the Gardner Museum is. So this this is someone's private collection that she had the uh, vision and uh, thoughtfulness to, to make into a public museum. Th- this horrible thing occurred in 1990, and uh, every, everything changed, uh, you know, because of that. And I, I think in, in some way you know the public should be aware of this situation and just given what how indebted we are for for that museum and and for the uh the effort that uh, Isabella Stewart Gardner made and then I also think uh just looking at the number of people who have made this part of their daily life I mean to to go back to an earlier comment there has been so much quality research done on this and there there are people who really uh you know have fixated on this for years and uh contrast that with i, I would guess that uh, 90% of the general public doesn't know anything about this and uh so i think that imbalance should be uh should should be remedied a bit and you know i i i do you know i i know plenty of smart responsible people who have no idea this happened and I guess the last point I would make just about, you know, why this, why is it important? To to me, it seems, um, uh, well, or, you know, forgetting about it or just leaving this issue completely unresolved is is incongruent with where I think uh, Boston is today, uh, just in terms of, you know, other aspects of that city. So this is a world class city with uh, some of the best hospitals in the world some of the best universities in the world. Uh, It has biotech companies. It has management consulting firms. And it just seems uh, almost inappropriate to to leave things as they are. And so I think uh, a project like this will build a lot of uh, public awareness of, of what went on.
0: How did you find out about this.
2: I would say a few things got me interested in uh, the Gardner Museum specifically, and and one is just uh, the Vermeer. So I, I was able to see the Vermeer exhibit at the uh, Met Museum in New York in 2001, and I believe that had uh, 15 of his paintings, of which there were only uh, 35 or 36. So that was a very unique experience and uh it it made me want to learn more about vermeer and to understand where the vermeers were globally and uh it got me to appreciate how rare uh obviously any vermeer painting is and and you know the concert is one of the the best of them and uh this this was just stolen and no one knows where it is now and uh it just it's intriguing to to consider that so that stuck with me um the the next thing i think was in 2005 2006 there was a documentary by uh rebecca dreyfus called stolen and i actually saw it in the theater just uh by by chance and it's it's an interesting story so it looks at the events that happened and uh, the, some of the central figures at the time who were involved in the attempted recovery, and uh, I, you know, it was it was something that intrigued me. Uh, and and I, you know, certainly there's a lot of kind of sensational uh, details about that 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 stick with you. I mean, this one of the things that uh, is is remarkable about this situation is that uh, the the crime itself and the aftermath is is so much like fiction that uh, it, 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 you know, I I think when we're talking about do do people remember this, I I think there's this other component of do people even think this is real? I mean, they're they're like you you can have this described to you and you think uh, this is the plot of some movie or something like that and and not really associate these things with real events. Um,
0: It all started with a bit of um, divine intervention.
2: Right. Yeah, that that's true. And, and, and reg, regarding the uh, the film, yes, that the film I actually didn't deliberately set out to uh, to watch. It was uh, it was one of these things where I was out, and uh, it started it started raining, and the person I was with uh, and 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 I decided that the best thing to do was actually to go to 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 the theater uh, to to escape the rain, and we ended up seeing the documentary that way. So. Uh, it, it, it was a bit of that. In fact, I, I think the Vermeer exhibit in 2001 wasn't really deliberate either on my part. So, you know, I, I'm sure that was uh, something that people traveled uh, internationally to see because it was so rare. And I, I was just walking by the museum and uh, saw it and said, I have to go back and see this when I have free time. And I did just that. But uh, that was that was my level of awareness there. So.
1: Why wouldn't the museum take down the empty frames?
2: that is is the term of her will that uh nothing be changed about the collection so these these paintings have been stolen and uh the, just the frames remain
1: okay lance so that wraps up episode one of empty frames we have got a lot coming at you for the rest of this season
0: now we are introducing this case to a new audience many people who don't know about it or have only heard about it on a superficial level Uh, With every case Tim and I research, we approach it understanding we are a vehicle for information and knowing it'll develop before us, and we are essentially going along wherever the road takes us, and we're all in on the ride together.
1: So we need your help. Join us for the rest of the season. Listen to this show. The better the efforts by this community, the better chances we have to get the paintings back.
0: Episode one of Empty Frames was brought to you by our wonderful sponsors... Serial Box, HelloFresh, and ZipRecruiter. Thank you for listening to Empty Frames, a co-production of Crawlspace Media and Audio Boom. Original music by Jared Jensen and Kevin McLeod. Please learn more by going to emptyframespodcast.com and crawlspacepodcast.com.
1: Thank you very much for listening. Follow Empty Frames on Twitter at empty underscore frames. We're also on Facebook and Instagram as empty Frames Podcast. In two weeks, we are back with another episode. We talked to best-selling author of the book called The Gardener Heist. His name is Ulrich Boser, and here's a quick clip from episode two.
2: Here's what we can say, I think, with a high degree of confidence. Someone on the inside... Help the thieves. I feel like the evidence is very clear for that and we can walk down what it is, but from the fact that the thieves stayed in the museum for so long, that they robbed a very specific corner of the museum, taking a security tape from the security office's room, and the fact that generally these mu- museum robberies have some type of, of inside angle. And when you look at the evidence, you know, that uh, implicates him, I mean, it is it is more circumstantial uh, some of it is just that he's a kooky character, and kooky characters don't necessarily produce thefts. They just might be a little kooky. Judy was boring. Hello.
0: Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com.
2: It's my little escape.
0: Now Judy's the life of the party.
2: Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon.
0: Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. we're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived.